to the Philippians, uh, continuing uh, on our series in Philippians. So we started this series two weeks ago, and we took a, a break last week when we all went to Kele Impela's uh, funeral. Um, we are back in the book of Philippians today. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. And what we took a look at last week was basically the background of the book, which is, you know, who, who wrote it. We said it was the Apostle Paul with Timothy with him, who he wrote it to, and that was the Philippian church. And we looked at how the Philippian church began and, and a little bit of their history with Paul. And we looked at the circumstances that the book was written in. Now, that brings us to verse 3. Please read along with me. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, uh, for you all, making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray that you will use this time as we look at your word and look at this prayer that Paul prayed. I pray that you will use this time, God, to help us to become healthier prayers. And not just healthier prayers, but God, holistically healthier Christians. I pray that you'll help us to value what is of most importance and to give our lives to what is of most importance, as seen here in the example of the Philippians and Paul. Please exalt yourself, Jesus, during this time. Amen. Okay, it's clear from the Bible that we should pray and pray often. And on the one hand, it's clear in a number of places in the Bible that God wants us to talk to him the same way we would talk to a close, loving father. And that means talking to him about everything and talking to him very honestly. So, yes, it definitely, definitely means that we can talk to God about some things that might not seem very serious, very important, very spiritual. We can and should talk to God about everything. Okay? However, that is not to say that there's no such thing as a healthier prayer life and a less healthy prayer life. Okay? We should talk to God about everything, but there's a number of things that we should talk to God about that many of us perhaps don't. We don't talk to God about these things because they're just not on our minds, they're not on our hearts. They're not things we value. They're not things we prioritize. If you think about your prayer life, 
The Bible says, and it does, that out of the mouth the heart speaks. That is, the inner you, the real you. Okay? Out of the mouth the heart speaks. Okay? And that is certainly true with your prayer life as well. Your prayer life reveals a lot about the inner you, the real you. Part of what it reveals is what we value. We're not going to give thanks to God for things that we're not thankful for. We're not going to pray to God and ask for things that we don't care about. It reveals things about what we believe about God's character and what we, reveal, what we believe about His abilities. If I don't talk to God about some things, perhaps it's because I don't really believe He cares. If I don't talk to God about some things, perhaps it's because I don't really believe He's able to accomplish those things. If I don't talk to God about some things, perhaps it's because I'm feeling guilty about having not lived very well for Him this week. Right? I'm stuck in a works righteousness type of thinking. What we pray about and how we pray reveals many many things about our hearts, about our beliefs, about our values. It reveals what we believe about the source, the true source of blessings in our life. Do we believe that we have good things because I just worked hard and I accomplished it? Or do I remember that every good gift is from above? And it reveals about reveals a lot about where I believe and how I believe I can truly pursue and receive the things I care about. So now, there's a lot there, obviously, and we're not going to be able to cover all of that today. But what we're going to be doing today is looking at the first half of Paul's prayer, his Thanksgiving, uh, the Thanksgiving section of this prayer he prays here in Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to learn some things today. Consider this just quietly to yourself as we prepare to dive into this section. How often do you pray? And when do you pray? When you pray, what do you tend to pray about? When you pray, do your prayers include thanksgiving? Or is it just a long list of requests? And if it does include thanksgiving, what are some of the things you thank God for? These are questions that, as I mentioned already, they will reveal many things about what you believe and what you value. These are good questions for you to continue to consider even after the sermon today as you reflect back on this message. So Paul opens his letter to the Philippians with a prayer. And that's, we've already read it, verses 3 to 8. It's a prayer filled with thanksgiving, filled with joy, filled with affection. And we can learn a lot from it. We should be challenged and encouraged by what we see brought Paul joy 
and what he was thankful for. So specifically, more specifically, what we're going to do today, we're going to ask a question. And the question comes from verses 3, 4, and 8. And we'll give attention to Paul's answer to that question, which is found in verses 5 through 7. So the question from verses 3 to 4 and verse 8. Why did Paul give thanks with joy whenever he prayed for the Philippians? Why did Paul give thanks with joy whenever he prayed for the Philippians? And from verse 8, why did he love the Philippians so much? What was it about them that just gave him so much affection for them? Why was he so thankful for these believers? And there are at least three reasons. Okay? I'll give you those three reasons, and then we will look at each of them individually. First of all, because of their helpfulness to Paul in advancing the gospel. Secondly, because of their fellowship or partnership with Paul in the gospel. And thirdly, because of the work of the gospel in them. Okay, so those three reasons again. Um, oops. Because of their helpfulness to Paul in advancing the gospel. Secondly, because of the fellowship or partnership Paul shared with them in the gospel. And then thirdly, because of the work of the gospel in them. So first of all, because of their helpfulness to Paul in advancing the gospel. Now we, we spoke two weeks ago about the particular occasion of this letter. You'll remember that Paul is in prison. And he's in prison most likely in Rome, a 40-day travel away from Philippi. And the Philippians had sent one of their members, uh, a man named Epaphroditus, to Paul to deliver monetary help to him. Remember we said that uh, when you were in prison during those days, even basic supplies where you were expected to provide for yourself, your loved ones, your family, were expected to provide those things for you. So he's coming, he's bringing monetary help to Paul. And he also had this goal of, of, of spending time with them and being an encouragement and a help to him, caring for him. We talked about how the Philippian church had been especially generous at another time in Paul's ministry when Paul made, it, made, made the point of, of, of asking all the churches he'd been working with throughout the Mediterranean area to contribute towards a significant famine that the, the Christians in Jerusalem were going through. And Paul tells us that the Philippian church had been especially generous Towards this, uh, towards this gift, even though they had difficult financial circumstances of them of their own, and then we've also seen that Paul had praised the Philippian Christians for their consistency in generous giving towards his ministry over the the ten or so years uh, since this church had begun. Okay, now here's the thing, brothers and sisters: the Philippian Christians had been a real, tangible help to Paul in his ministry. Their, their giving towards his ministry wasn't just 
like a cherry on top. It wasn't just something nice. The reality is that Paul would have been able to do much less ministry without their generosity. Okay? There were times he was in dire circumstances that they came through for him. Um, we, we see in the book of Acts that when he needed to, Paul was a tent maker. He, he would start, start up this business again on his travels, um, um, making, fixing tents. But this is now, again, not an easy thing to do for somebody who's traveling. Okay? Somebody who's not based in one place. It's not like Paul would have been able to, to carry many tools along with him as he traveled from place to place. So when he had to start up a business again to provide for his needs, this was a big thing. It was time-consuming. He had to find, he had to find uh, people to, to trust him, to trust his work. He had to find the tools. He had to set up uh, and get a business going. Okay? And the reality is that without the support he was receiving, so much more of Paul's ministry time would have been consumed with him having to, to, to function as a tent maker or some other sort of side hustle just to make ends meet. Okay? The support the Philippians gave him made a lot of his ministry possible. And Paul is thankful for this. And not just thankful to the Philippians. This is very important to realize. He's thankful to God for the help he received from God through the Philippians. Okay? He recognizes that ultimately it is God who's provided for him through the Philippians. God has provided for the Philippians themselves so that they are in a position to give. And God has moved in their hearts so that, they, so that they have wanted to give. Brothers and sisters, God is at work in the same way with this little church plant. Um, I'm able to give myself full time to ministry here and trying to be of, of help and encouragement to some other churches as well. I, I'm able to do that full time because... Churches and, and Christian friends, Christian family, support me. Um, they provide for me and my family. Um, within the last three weeks, so we sent out some, some letters letting people know about our hopes and dreams and goals here through this little church plant. And within the last three weeks, we, got, we had an 80,000 Rand donation from uh, a church in, in the south of Joburg, Brackenhurst Baptist Church. And we had a 60,000 rand donation from a church in North Carolina. I don't know, I, I know how Brackenhurst heard about us. I don't know how the church in North Carolina heard about us, but words just getting out there and people saying, we want to be a part of the advance of the gospel. And God is stirring in their hearts and, and, and God has provided for them. And God's moving them to, to want to donate, to want to give towards this. And so God is providing for us through His people. Okay, If you're wondering what that money is going to be used for, that's, that's for the church. Okay, It's for the church and our goal is to hopefully get a quantum that will help us with 
be transporting people to church and church events. And then we want to get some, some sound equipment. And uh, uh, there'll, there'll be more needs, definitely, with time. You know, as we start to, Lord willing, f- find a venue that we can rent, and there'll be that, those expenses. There'll be the expenses of printing flyers and, and doing other sorts of things that, that will help us with our outreach. So there's, there's, there's needs, um, at, at least in the sense of, of helping us do more and helping us do it better. And God is providing for those needs. And He's providing for those needs through His people. And we should realize that and we should be giving thanks to Him for it. We shouldn't take it for granted. It's no small thing. That God, I mean, here we are. We're a handful of people in the west of Pretoria. We should not assume, we should not, we should not take it lightly that God would smile upon us and say, I'm going to bless this work. I'm going to provide for this work. And I'm going to move in the hearts of my people to provide for this work. It's a big thing. It's a beautiful thing. Secondly, um, okay, actually I'm jumping ahead here. So let me, let me ask you then in light of that to just think about this, okay? Daydream about this. Um, what gospel ministry can you help make possible? Or what gospel ministry can you help do more by your giving? Okay. Now certainly any contributions you make towards this church plant are, are, are appreciated and, and, and certainly with time will be more and more needed as our expenses grow. But I want you to, to dream a little bit beyond that. The Philippians weren't just thinking about their own church. They were thinking about the advance of the gospel beyond their church. Even if you're not in a position to give much, or even if you won't be in a position until later, think about this. What ministry can I help do more because of my giving? A little can go a long way in the hands of the Lord. Okay? A few ideas for you. There's many, many churches in townships and villages in this country where the pastor is not sufficiently supported, not because their people aren't generous, but just because their people don't have much. Okay? If I think even of... uh, Elam Baptist Church. Uh, Akani's not with us today, but but Akani's home church. Um, Akani, not Akani of Living Hope, Akani, Akani, SMU student, Akani. Um, His pastor is a full-time nurse, okay? And and the pastor's wife is also a full-time nurse. And... um, and then you know, on top of that, he's trying to be a pastor and not just be a pastor, but trying to also help some of the other church plants that are there in, in, in surrounding villages. And um, if you, you sit with this man and, and hear his weekly schedule, it is amazing how he's pouring himself out for the gospel. Uh, it is amazing that he's not falling asleep on his feet, you know. And there are many, many faithful men like that around the country 
that a little bit of generosity can go a long way towards helping them at least not burn themselves out, but potentially also to, to help having putting them in a position where they can work a few less hours per week and give a little bit more time towards gospel ministry. So, something to think about, something to pray about, something to talk with one another about. Um, see how the Lord might use you in that way. Okay, secondly, why was Paul so thankful and so filled with joy because of the Philippians? Because of the fellowship or the partnership he shared with them in the gospel. Now, fellowship can be a bit of a Christianese word, right? We can use it in a way that we basically just think of any kind of social time that we spend with Christians, okay? But partnership, which would be the translation in some of your Bibles, uh, is, is maybe a more helpful translation in terms of helping us uh, grasp what we're really supposed to think of with fellowship. See, this is less about watching a game of soccer with a Christian friend, and it's more about rowing a rowing boat with two or three other Christian friends, right? The point is, it's not just about uh, a, a passive observance of something. It's, a, it's an active participation in something together, pursuing a goal together, co-laboring together, linking arms together, working hard towards something. Uh, one commentator used as an example the idea of, of, of even something like starting a business with somebody, right? It's something that, that is both, it's very important to both of you and you're fully invested in it and, and, and you know, your actions influence the other and the other's actions influence you and you are well and truly in this together, okay? In this together. We think of the, the, the saying we talk about sometimes when we talk about being in the trenches with somebody, right? Think of that picture of warfare and, and you, 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 you know, the challenges that you're both up against, uh, you're, you're up against them together and, and, the, and the goal that you're both facing is a goal you're facing together. Now it's true, the Philippians are partakers of grace with Paul because they're Christians. They're partakers of grace in the sense that, that they've been saved, they've been rescued by God's mercy, just like Paul's been rescued by God's mercy. But God doesn't just extend His mercy to us so that we receive it and then it stops there. God extends His grace to us so that we can be, become conduits to that grace, so that we can take that grace and extend it to others, so that the gospel will advance. They were partners with Paul in grace and that they were invested with him in the work of defending the gospel and the work of spreading the gospel through evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. And over the ten years that Paul's known this church, as they've come through for him again and again and again, as they've cared, through him, cared for him during difficult times, as he's known that he can rely on them to come through, to be generous yet again. 
And as now, even with this most recent situation, Epaphroditus comes as his representative again of the Philippian church. And Paul's just like, yeah, these guys, man, they're with me through thick and thin. We're a team. We're in this together. And so the way to think about what we're talking about here specifically is that Paul has a special appreciation for them, an appreciation that he would have even if Epaphroditus had been robbed en route to him and had shown up with absolutely no money. Paul would still appreciate your hearts are intertwined with mine. You're in this with me. You are my comrades. You are my my co-laborers. There's a special bond that you develop when you work hard towards something very important to you with somebody else, especially when that is done over the course of years and, and, and especially when it involves sacrifice and perseverance through thick and thin. That's what Paul has with Philippians and that's what he's thankful for. So I want to ask you, do you have Christian friends that you can describe as co-laborers in the gospel? Do you have Christian friends that you dream dreams with, that you pray with? Do you have Christian friends that you share the gospel with? If you're thinking about somebody that you know is going through a hard time uh, and, and you've done what you can to care for them and encourage them, are there obvious choices that come to your mind in terms of here's somebody I can pick up the phone and I can call and I can say, hey, so-and-so needs some encouragement. Please, can you? I've reached out to them. Can you reach out to them too? Okay. I've got a, a friend cool example um, he grew up in a township and um, uh, was doing very very well as a young professional and where his job has him he's, he's basically in an area like Santon you know and he's developed some other friends who are in that same sort of situation also grew up in townships grew up basically uh, either Unbelievers going to churches with all sorts of funky teaching, uh, or, or or maybe uh, believers because they heard the truth through John MacArthur, Paul Washer, R.C. Sproul, John Piper on on the internet, but then they just couldn't find a good church. They know the gospel need in the townships, but now they're positioned in areas where there's quite a few good churches they can choose from. Okay. But instead of just sitting back and enjoying that, these friends, they get together and they, they pray. They pray for the townships. They, they hold one another accountable in terms of financial giving. They see what they can do to visit pastors and encourage them. And, and they, they're, they're, they're raising funds and giving to uh, under-resourced churches, under-resourced pastors, just trying to be an encouragement, trying to be a help to these areas of where there's great gospel need. Okay? They're not just 
receivers of grace, right? They want to be a part of helping that grace advance, helping the gospel advance into areas where it's greatly needed. Now those brothers challenging each other, spurring each other on, praying together, going on visits together to encourage these pastors, these brothers over the course of years, they're co-laborers in the gospel. They're co-laborers in the gospel. They don't have to be pastors. They don't have to be uh, professionally in ministry. But they're looking at each other and saying, okay, there's a lot of gospel need out there. How can we help each other see the gospel advance? How can we do this better together? And I want to encourage you to think and dream the same way. It might not be things quite as, uh, I mean, that's a bit of an unusual example, but it might be. Uh, Think, dream, brainstorm. Um, But on a much simpler level, brothers and sisters, it's also about things like coming to church faithfully. And when you're at church, you're reaching out to others and uh, perhaps you're helping other people with transport to church. And if you don't see somebody at church, you're touching base with them and just checking in with them to see how they're doing. You're somebody who serves when there's opportunity to serve. You're somebody who gives. You're somebody who um, is, is, is thinking even beyond what is announced from here, from, from this pulpit about opportunities. And you're, you're somebody who's thinking, okay, what, what opportunities might there be for me to invite my coworkers, for me to invite my, my fellow students, for me to invite my neighbors? Um, how can I do this and, and who can I do it with? You've got a whole, I say whole, here we are, like less than 20 of us. But the point is, you're not in this alone. The people around you are your teammates. The people around you are people that you can co-labor with, that you should take opportunity to co-labor with. We're in this together. We're in this together, and, and it is such a, such a worthwhile, glorious goal, right? We, we, we have the one and only message that saves and we need to take it to a lost and dying world. Okay. All right. Why was Paul so thankful? Why was he so filled with joy because of the Philippians? Thirdly, because of the gospel at work in them. Because of the gospel at work in them. This gospel, right? This gospel, what does it do? It saves and it transforms. And as Paul thinks about the Philippians, he thinks about how they've supported him over the years. He realizes these people believe this gospel. They really believe it. They know that it's true. They know that it's worth sacrificing for. They know it's worth suffering for over the long haul with perseverance. They know it's worth prioritizing. Why? Why? Because as I just said, it is the one message that saves. It is the power of God unto salvation. Right? <coughs> and so Paul has, has clear evidence. These people aren't just people who profess Christianity. These are believers. These are people who 
who truly believe this truth and have been changed by it. Okay. I um, I got a message last week sorry uh, got a message last week from a friend of mine okay so here's what he says this is 19 years ago last week the Lord opened my eyes to believe and repent. Thank you for telling me. Thank you for telling me the gospel, brother, and for not stopping when I first responded with indifference. I'm thankful for all eternity. Um, so, I mean, that's worthwhile, right? <laughs> like, I'm thankful for all eternity. Like, there's not too many things you can do for somebody <laughs> that are going to resonate with them forever and ever and ever, you know? Um, and, and it's just, it's just, it's, and of course, we've got to give thanks to God for this. You know, like, I, I shared the gospel with this guy, but, but I wasn't the only one. There were multiple other people who co-labored with me in sharing the gospel with this guy and following up, uh, inviting him to church and answering some of the questions he had. It's, it's a super cool story, and I, and I can't tell it all now because the sermon will go too long. But it was just it was just the providence of God in every little detail. And it was just so amazing and it was just so wonderful to be a part of that. And and at the end of the day, like as he said, who opened his eyes to believe? God did. God did. And he's gonna be praising God for eternity. He's also you know he's also thankful to me because I got to be a part of it. I got to play a part in that. God didn't need me. God, you know, as I said, He used other people as well. He could have removed me from the picture completely and done it other ways. But I got to be a part of that. And that's wonderful. What a joy. What a joy. You know, and Paul's looking at this church and he's like, I helped start this church. And, and look at this. Look at this. Look at their love for Jesus. Look at their desire to tell others about Jesus. Look at how much they're willing to sacrifice and suffer over years and years to see the gospel keep going forward. And Paul's filled with joy. And, you know, here's a wonderful truth too, right, that Paul goes on to, to talk about, Right? Which is that if God has saved you, He's not going to let you go. And He's going to keep working in you. And He's going to make you more and more like Jesus until the day you are in the presence of Jesus and your sin is gone. Your sin is no more. And if you care about people, that, that, that there should be nothing more thrilling to you 
to think about that reality, not just for the long term, but even for now. Right? What does spiritual growth mean in somebody's life? What does spiritual growth mean in somebody's life? It means the guy who struggles with his temper and is just tired of, of being short and snappy with his kids. He has hope. It means the guy who is tired of struggling with lustful thoughts has hope. It means the marriage with, that, that, that with, with significant conflict, that there's, there's hope, not just for each individual, but for that relationship, right? Because now they're each going to become more patient. They're going to become more forgiving. They're going to become, they're going to become more humble. They're going to become more willing to die to self for the sake of others. Spiritual growth is good for people. And if we love people, it should thrill us to know that they are growing spiritually and that they're guaranteed to keep growing spiritually because God is at work in their lives. And He finishes the work He begins. Always. Always. Right? So Paul thinks about the Philippians and he loves them. And he's so thankful that they're saved. And he's so thankful that God is going to continue this work in their lives. And so I want to ask you, brothers and sisters, I want to ask you, does it thrill your hearts when people get saved? Do you think both about that individual and just how their eternity has been changed? But also, do you think about the fact that your God, your Savior, is glorified by one more person who's a trophy of God's grace. One more person who will sing His praises for eternity. And do you love to see people grow? And are you, are you willing to invest, right? To invest through prayer, to invest through speaking truth into people's lives, through encouraging people, through, as I mentioned, even the practical stuff like helping people get to church or helping people get to GC or get to the, the, the young adults retreat or whatever it may be so that they can grow. Because with growth, right, comes all these good things we were talking about. Comes joy. Comes peace. Comes the wonder of just knowing Jesus more closely and trusting Him more fully and being able to face more and more difficult trials with steadfastness, right? So, all in all, if we think about this, oh man, this is what happens when we don't follow your notes, then you. Okay. Alright. If we could squeeze all of this into one lesson, right? We look at, look at what Paul's so thankful for here. What fills him with so much joy. I think we learn the value, learn the lesson of the supreme value of the gospel. And we see the importance of letting it shape our whole life. Letting it shape our whole life 
uh, and, and our, our goals and priorities to, to see it advance, to see it go forward. This is the hope of the world. Let it shape your goals, your dreams, your priorities. Let it shape, certainly let it shape your prayers. Let it shape your friendships, your Christian relationships. Let's not just be people who receive grace as wonderful as that is, but let's, let's be people who are passionate and excited and eager to see that same grace go and bless others. This was clearly Paul's outlook. And it's why he was so thankful and filled with joy. Because he could see God's work in the Philippians and he could see God's work through the Philippians. The work of the gospel. Right? Amen? Alright, let me pray. Our Lord and God, we pray that we would value the gospel. Value in the gospel, value the gospel in a way that really does alter what we live for, alter what our life is all about, alter uh, that it really does alter our, our biggest dreams, our biggest priorities. Got to pray that everyone here would realize that this is true, no matter what their job may be, no matter what their season of life may be. God, there's little things we can do through generosity, through service, certainly through prayer, which is powerful. We can all labor, we can all co-labor to see the gospel go forward. And God, it is just wonderful also to see how much uh, joy this brought Paul as as we need to remember, even as he was potentially facing execution, even as he was in prison, Paul was filled with joy. He was filled with thankfulness because this great, wonderful news of Jesus as Savior, this news that is the only hope of the world, it was going forth. It was advancing. And the Philippians were exhibit A of just how much it can transform and change lives. God, May we be a Philippian church. May we be a church. Ten years from now, we can look back and we can really see that we consistently sacrificed. We consistently prioritized the advance of the gospel. That the gospel was first and foremost in our hearts. Not just in terms of enjoying it and receiving it ourselves, but God, in terms of paying it forward and and. And seeing it go to places where it, 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 is, it is desperately needed. Seeing it advance. May we be that sort of church, please, God. And may you be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.